0: encourage you to do that listen the reason that things look a little different up here is that today instead of preaching a message i want to do an interview Uh, i want you to before we get into the interview to open your bibles to psalm chapter 91 psalm 91 is an incredible promise of god's protection and in just a few moments you're going to hear a testimony about god's protection and so we want to just anchor this to the truth of god's word So Psalm 91, if you have it, we'll put this on the screen. I just want you to to put your eyes on this. This is the word of the Lord today. Look at it with me. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. How many of you think that's a good thing we could say? Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Amen. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, catch verse 9. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. How many of you have been keeping your angels busy? You know who you are. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I love this. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, the Lord says, and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a power-packed promise. This is the word of the Lord. And today you're going to hear a personal testimony of this God who hides us under the shadow of the Almighty, who says, because he loves me, I'll rescue him. I'll protect them. On December 20th of just this last year, I got a phone call at about 2.50 in the morning, woke me up out of a dead sleep. And it was Ben, and he was saying, Pastor Aaron, our house is on fire. And I got up and got dressed and Just said, I'm I'm coming. I don't know what good I was going to do, but I'm coming. I said, I'll be there in a few minutes. So I I headed that way, and by the time I got there, of course, the street was lined with uh, rescue apparatuses, fire departments from all over were there. Their house was still, still burning. I met Ben out in the front yard. He was barely clothed on a cold December night, barefooted in the yard, and over the next several hours and weeks, I learned what a miracle I was standing in in that moment. And so I want to ask Ben and Kelly to come, and they're going to just testify to us today about what God has done and what he is doing. Can you make them welcome as they come? Now, as they find their seat here, uh, I think we have a picture of what their house looked like before the incident happened that That uh, home sweet home there. Uh, Ben, Kelly, why don't you just take us back to that night. Tell us a little bit about what happened.
1: I think before we go right to the fire, the preceding months are so important. And in hindsight, you see all of this. But as you like plow through the seasons of your life, you tend to disregard the things that God's doing to prepare you for what's coming. And through this, I learned that if we knew what was coming, because I was always one that wanted to know. If you knew what tomorrow brings, you probably wouldn't keep walking. So in that summer um, that preceded this, Ben and I had either sold off or closed the businesses that we had had for years and decided to go back to, to renovating and flipping houses. Um, and it just it freed us from a lot of things. And it gave us a lot um, it put us back to what we wanted to do. Um, so later in the, in the fall, we're teaching Bible adventure here on Wednesday afternoons and Lori Lehman, who leads that program, brought in a puppy as an object lesson. And coming into that season, the house that we were flipping was running behind. Yeah, you know, we hadn't been paid yet. We were coming into Christmas really short and Ben and I decided we weren't going to exchange presents, um, last year and that was okay. Um, and we had just lost our oldest dog piper to natural causes she had gotten old but then here's this puppy and all i could think this this is a really bad idea <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of course puppies available for purchase and she's participated in the lesson and she was magical and all of this and i said this is such a bad idea <laughs> and
0: um, now you you guys didn't have any pets already did you well
1: we had <laughs> We had eight other dogs at home at the time. (laughs) Eight. Yeah. That was eight. (laughs) Along with many other animals. And we were certainly not lacking for animals at that point. And yet we were like, we all felt led to get this puppy. And Emma wanted to name her Shiloh, which Pastor Aaron had preached a message the week before and mentioned names of God. And Shiloh was one of them, the provision of God. And Emma hadn't heard that message, but still wanted to name her Shiloh. So we decide to follow the leading, and we're going to get this puppy. So we get the puppy, and um, yeah, fast forward to the fire. Um, we're still potty training Shiloh. I'm sleeping on the couch, like fully clothed every night. Emma's sleeping with me, so we can take puppy out at night, and it's all good. And there's Christmas lights on, so there's ambient lighting. And um, puppy wakes me up just before 3 a.m. And, but it wasn't like when she usually, when she wants to go out, she's kind of excited. But she just kind of crawled towards me. And I opened my eyes and looked at her. And then I could smell it. And um, so I stood up. And I had.
2: Now, oh, mind you, none of the, the smoke alarms have gone off. Right. In the house.
1: And that struck me. Because I had been in my past life a career firefighter for Baltimore County for 11 years um, prior to having a family. And as I walked across the room, I thought, well, maybe the house isn't on fire because the smoke alarms haven't gone off yet. But then when I got line of sight through the kitchen and through what was an exterior window into the sunroom on the back, I could see the column of fire from the portable heater that was out there. And I knew, and I just started running the math in my head. I was like, fire doubles in size every 10 seconds. You know, you've got 30 seconds to do something definitive here. And I screamed for everybody. And Emma showed up beside me and I told her to call 911. I couldn't find my phone, it had fallen underneath the couch. There's no landline in the house, it's all cell phones. Um, And in those moments we split up. And let me preface this with, I was a career firefighter, Ben was a Marine we made decisions in the fire that people shouldn't make. Just at the moment of discovery, you need to get out, and that's it. Um, but we, you know, I walked through the the kitchen and out to the back porch and met Ben there, and, you know, there had been a hose line from the back of the house that would reach, but it was frozen. Um, so we're standing in the fire, the room that's on fire with You know, no gear on, standing straight up, ceilings aren't that high, fire is growing significantly and quickly. And there's an event in fire called rollover where all of the gases that collected the ceiling are superheated. And when it hits about 1,200 degrees, everything above you ignites. It's a really bad place to be, even in full gear as a firefighter. It should have been a deadly event for the two of us standing there. And we were never hot. I don't ever remember it being
0: hot i remember it happening yeah. but just to interrupt you here uh because I, when i think of a house fire you know i've, I've i have an image in my mind but when i when i saw the the actual devastation it reframed everything that we're talking about so right. uh do you have a picture of uh, what we might have driven up and seen that night on the outside this
1: was the picture from the dash cam of the battalion chief um, for the neighbor's house, the left, or excuse me, the right is the rear of the house, um, left being the front of the house. I, that was just minutes into the event. It grew so quickly. Um, it was unbelievable. We made attempts to put it out. There was there was just no way. And then the next picture is closer up, that bright spot down to the right. That's the door I walked out.
2: I think it's important here to help you understand when somebody tells you that something's 1200 degrees anybody touch 1200 degrees before the answer is no (laughs) but we've all been around campfires and when you get up to a campfire and you can't get any closer to it with your hand that's 600 degrees so we were standing in the room directly through here and in the back and it was a a patio at one point, and I converted it into a a sunroom. And where the door is, the French door is, is where the fire started. And we were standing, you know, closer into the house from the French door. The ceiling of that that spot right there is about seven feet, two inches. I'm six foot three. So when the fire rolled over, I was just, I could touch the fire. And I, I think it's really important to understand how unbelievably close we were to the fire.
1: Yeah. It was ridiculous.
0: You were telling me, Ben, about uh, just the, the framing made of aluminum and the mm-hmm. door. Uh, just t- talk about that a little so bit. So the,
2: the, the aluminum that was on the, the rear of the house actually melted. And the melting point of aluminum is 1,220 degrees. And the metal roof that was on the, the, the addition in the back of it got so hot that it curled up. Um, the garage doors, where you can't see it on this picture, if you go back to the first picture there, Next. Right here where the black spot is right there, that's our garage. It got so hot in our garage in there that the windows um, shot into our neighbor's yard. Mm. And that's a good 30 yards away. So the, the intensity of the, the fire is indescribable. It, it, it's, it's something that you, you have to be standing there to realize it. And we, ha- we weren't burnt, yeah. like at all
0: you're talking hot enough things are literally exploding yes they were exploding the you con- were telling me even about the the concrete yeah. uh the back patio
2: the concrete floor in the addition got so hot that it exploded yeah. it's called spalling and you can walk back there now and it's indented where it exploded
1: it's like sand um, so we you know we made attempts to put the fire out all of which were in vain we screamed for the dogs at the front door um and, and none of them came. And then, you know, standing there in the front yard, realizing that there was nothing that I as a human could possibly do to stop this. Yep. Um, and in that moment, I was struck by Psalm 120, verse 1, in my distress, when I call out to the Lord, he answers me. Amen. And that was I had, that had been pressed into my heart earlier in the fall because I was scheduled to teach it in Bible Adventure, so I knew it. So I turned my back to the fire, and I threw my hands up in the air, and I had every intention to pray, and all I could do was scream. So I stand there screaming at the sky.
0: How many know sometimes that's what a prayer life sounds like, isn't it? Yeah, the Bible says we call out to God with wordless groans sometimes. You know, you're talking about, we're talking about God protecting supernaturally, but... This, this thought of you learning a scripture mm-hmm. so that you could teach it to children on a, a midweek Bible adventure deal, and, and, and that being the verse in your heart. You know, this is what I love about the, their testimony. It reminds me that not only is God a protector, but God is a provider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, God is the only one that knows what tomorrow holds. That's why it's so important that we be people of the Spirit, that we be spirit-led. And one of the things, uh, Kelly, that you told me that I, I just I have to bring up today uh, is about fasting, because today we're, we're launching into a 21 days of breakthrough fasting and prayer as a church, uh, 21 days from now till April 1st, where as a congregation, we really sense the Lord uh, calling us collectively to a season of, of fasting. And I'll explain a little bit about that in, in just a moment, but would you just talk about what you felt God telling you to do?
1: Right. Earlier in the fall, um, you know things are chaotic, we're closing businesses, we're homeschooling, I'm in school, and um, I, I distinctly remember the one day I was sitting on the couch and praying and the I was being told to fast, and I was like, okay, I fasted before, I can fast, that would be good. So I said, how long? And God said, 40 days. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, really, 40 days? And it was consistently 40 days. And all I could think, being human, was it's going to run right over the holidays. How am I going to explain that? Because I'm from an unchurched family, and this isn't going to fly. So I was like, well, I'll go to the calendar, and I'll count it out. And I counted out 40 days, and the 40th day was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I was like, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We could do this. And I remember um, telling Pastor Aaron that, all I felt I was being told was to level up, to, to get closer and to level up, but I didn't know why. Yeah.
0: That's the thing about fasting. Fasting is a season of spiritual preparation, and we don't always know what the preparation is for, right. but God knows. And that's the, that's the beauty of being able to lean into a God who, who promises, as we read in Psalm 91, to provide. He provide for those that stay close, those that stay in the shadow of his wings. So let me just, just pause on the testimony for just a moment because maybe you're hearing about the fasting for 21 days for the first time. Let me just say there's all kinds of ways to fast, Uh, You could do a a, a total fast or just water only, but uh, there's a lot of other ways to fast. You could do a partial fast, and a lot of you have done that with us in the past. We call it a Daniel fast, taken out of Daniel 1 and Daniel 10, and if you go on the church website, you can see Fasting 2023, and there's a bunch of links for uh, menus and how to eat. The Bible says uh, Daniel uh, uh, ate no choice foods, and so it's just a partial fast. It's not about portion control. It's about what types of food. But you might also do a 24-hour a fast, maybe once or twice a week to just say, you know, from sundown to sundown. Or maybe you want to do a one-a-day fast, uh, an intermittent fast, which has now become popularized for health benefits. But how many of you know that's just science catching up with God's Word? Like God, God's, amazingly, God has instructions for our bodies too. Wow. Uh, so maybe you just want to do a sun-up to sundown fast. Some people call that a John Wesley fast, he, and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that he, he thought anybody that's uh, worth their salt ought to at least fast twice a week. And so what we're going to do uh, is we want to make available on Wednesday nights, as many of you know, we have a prayer meeting every Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Uh, if you want to do the partial fast uh, or any of those fasts, we want to encourage you to join us from 6 to 6.45 on Wednesday nights. We're going to have a break fast meal. Uh, Charlie and Vicki, who are here in this service, they're going to be serving up soup uh, this Wednesday night, it'll be Daniel fast approved if you're going that route. But they're going to have some soup here, and we want to encourage you uh, to to participate in some level, even if you just say, "You know what? On Wednesdays, sun up to sundown, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'm going to fast, and then I'll come and and I'll have some soup, and then we'll move into the prayer meeting together." But I, I want to press you towards that because this this testimony illustrates so powerfully that he, that when we when we just obey the Lord, when we do what He calls us to do. He's preparing us for things we don't even know we're preparing for. Uh, I'm just, I'm blown away at the fact that uh, you agreed as a family with Emma, their daughters on the front row here, that this year for Christmas, instead of a bunch of gifts, we're just going to, we're going to get this puppy. And God used that. Do we have a picture of Shiloh? We
1: do. Come on.
0: God used that little puppy to save their lives. That's provision. That's the hand of the Lord. Another part of the provision story I love so much—you were—you were saying that um, you got back into flipping houses, mm-hmm. and and so now you, you had a house that you were flipping, but it it should have been flipped; it wasn't flipped yet.
1: It, right, it wasn't completed. I was so irritated—we hadn't sold this house yet, um, and it was just stupid delays. And then. You know, our house burned down, and when we bought the house on Hess Road, the one we were flipping, we had all said, what a cute house. We love this house. We could actually live in this house. You have a
0: picture of that house, too, I think. Yeah. That's That's the one you were flipping.
1: Yeah, this adorable little house. And so we immediately knew that's why it was delayed. That's where we needed to go. There was no question. That's where we were taking up the dogs that that had survived, and that's where we were going. Um, And God's provision was just so amazing. He sent a fire crew that actually um, set up a separate command system to manage the animals. Uh, They knew how to do CPR on animals. They revived two of our dogs that came out respiratory rest. Um, Emma's was little dachshund nanners. Um, He came out respiratory rest, not looking good at all. And I dropped down beside him when I found him with the medic and prayed out loud in tongues for all it was worth. That God would save my little girl. Would stop, and He did. Amen. That's
2: so awesome. I, I think something else that's important here is, you know, the provision of a God with Shiloh is mm-hmm. is important. And after uh, some weeks after the the fire, we got a chance to meet with all the firefighters, and we got to meet with the battalion chief and the the captain that was there on on scene. And they after the fire, they go through all the videos and stuff like that, and they they see. You know, how fast was the fire spreading? What was it doing? And I think it was, was it eight minutes or six minutes And they were there?
1: It was six minutes from the time of initial dispatch to the time that they put water on the fire, which is phenomenal.
2: So they put the water on the fire that quickly, and then they do the math. You know, if they would have been anywhere between six and ten minutes longer, the entire house would have been engulfed. And without Shiloh being there, without Emma and, and Kelly taking Shiloh out, we would have all been in our bedrooms. And because the smoke alarms didn't go off until the fire was so severe, we would have all passed.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, the animals that were in the back of our house, they passed because of that.
0: Yeah. So I, well, I think we have some pictures of the mm-hmm. inside of the house after, after the fire. You can see some of the devastation in their kitchen.
1: That's the kitchen.
0: Yeah, th- this is not like dinner getting out of control fire. Right. This is this is a serious serious fire. I think you have another picture there as well.
1: That's the the room, the kennels. We had professional kennels. There were no animals in this room at that time. But right in the back there is where the fire had started, and that's the room we walked out through to get out.
0: So th- this is the provision of the Lord. Uh so they uh by the time I got there Kelly and Emma were already in uh, an ambulance. They were heading towards the hospital. Uh, I, I got together with Ben, and we followed. They got there, and, and of all, the first person they see when they open the ambulance is uh, one of our church members. Rochelle Gill is an EMT, and so they got greeted by one of our church members at the hospital.
1: Right, which was amazing. It was <laughs> amazingly comforting. And then we were all taken to rooms um, separately to be treated is that I had had a cut. I got struck by something in the face and was bleeding, and my asthma was starting to catch up to me. And the, the lady who greeted me there, um, I asked her for a Bible because that's all I could think was I need a Bible. And she brought me one, and it was just the New Testament. She's like, is that okay? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> It'll do. <laughs> and, um, and she says, she leans in, and she says, there, there are two men here. That say they're your pastors <laughs> and I was like all right was, she's like can they come in I was like well yeah bring them in and then in those moments she says to me that never happens I've never seen that and I don't have a home church and in that moment like the fire fell away completely and I was like well let me tell you about my church and it was just an amazing moment. You have to let God use you. No matter what you are standing in, in your own personal circumstance, when he presents that moment to you, you have to take advantage of it.
0: That's so good. That's so good. What a great reminder that evangelism is not always something we put on the calendar. It's not a strategy. It's not a track. It's a life lived out by faith in the moments. Uh, here's here's just a testimony of God's provision. By, by the time uh, they they got released from the hospital, the sun had come up, and uh, and the day was uh, underway. Uh, so I I drove Kelly back to my house and day, uh, you know helped helped her. They got cleaned up and got some clothes. Ben went with Pastor Chris because Pastor Chris's clothes might fit Ben, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so. Uh, it was about that time, uh, early in the morning, that we we just uh, began to really process. Like wow, like literally everything, everything's going, like where, where do you start making the list of things? And so we uh, we just began to get the word out to to all of you to the church, and say, hey, this is what happened this morning. Uh, they're safe, they're okay, but uh, man, we we've got to we've got to we've got to help. And I mean. Like I've never seen before. I mean, the church just began to mobilize. So many people began to just uh, gather clothes in everybody's sizes, which is funny. Ben, didn't you realize later you told us the wrong size pants? Right. <laughs> so, so he had a whole bunch of pants that didn't fit, but. Yeah, but still. So many, uh, so many people uh, rallied together uh, when they realized it was God's provision that they still had that house that, that they weren't ready to flip, but it wasn't ready to live in. It was a job site. Mm-hmm. Um, Earl uh, sent over Roy from his company, and they, they finished out the bathroom that day, another team went over and cleaned the whole house top to bottom, while another team was going and collecting furniture, uh, beds, mattresses, sheets, linens, appliances. This was not a livable house in the morning, but by that evening, all the pantries were stocked, there were toiletries, there were cleaning products, there were fire uh, (laughs) detectors installed and fire extinguishers uh, in, in the kitchen. And I think it was about 9.30 when the last of us left their house and there was a, clis- a Christmas tree plugged yeah. in in the living room with some gifts underneath it. I'm telling you, church, God provides. Absolutely. It was amazing to see.
2: So, so when, uh, when, when we had uh, separated and, and Pastor Chris was, was going to take me over to his house, we decided to, to stop by my house to see if there was anything that, that we could salvage. And I still didn't have shoes. It was cold. It was 13 degrees when the fire started. So we we go in there, and we see the the devastation after the fire, and I find a pair of uh, boots, and we got a a few other things. And uh, I realized that our cars are out in the driveway, and wouldn't it be nice if we had keys for them? (laughs) So I'll tell you, if you ever get into a fire and you can grab your keys, not top of the list, but they cost 800 bucks to get them made. Right. (laughs) So uh, I go back in. Can we go back to the kitchen that's... That the picture of the kitchen here. If you look at the kitchen here, my keys were in the far right-hand corner. And that's where we would always hang our keys. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and I started to dig through that rubble to find my keys. And I did, I found them. And they were destroyed. And But right below my keys, if we can go to this other picture here, there's a picture of a key in here. Keep going. Right okay. there. That key right there was directly under the key of my, my truck, and maybe an inch below it, that's the church key.
1: Yeah.
2: So everything in that room is destroyed. You know, I thought that was a prolific word from God, and it, yeah. was, it was amazing.
1: And without a doubt, for those of you that don't know, Ben brought me to church and Emma on um, Easter Sunday morning of April 4th, 2021, that he grew up in a a family and was saved and all of that. Emma and I were not saved. I'd never really gone to church or anything like that. Um, God met me at those doors, and I met him at this altar and was saved that day. And our life changed forever. And without a shadow of a doubt, had that not happened, the the wake on the backside of this tragedy would have killed me. There's no way to survive this without your church.
0: Amen, man! Isn't that amazing? Two years ago this Easter, Kelly mm-hmm. got saved. She was sitting right behind where Aaron uh, is. Got saved on Easter Sunday, and, and I, I, this family is such an integral part of this church and the ministry team here that uh, it, it's just. well, Kelly! I can't think of a better plug for invite people to church at Easter than that. So I'm just gonna <laughs> take the shot. While I got it, you know, I'm just gonna, just gonna take my shot. But, man, praise God. You're talking about God being a God of protecting us, of providing for us, but he's also a God of promise. It, ben, something you shared with me I thought was so profound, that God had spoke, actually spoken to you in a dream a year, a year before this, right?
2: Yeah, the, the Denver, December before that, um, God had spoke to me about prepare my family. I'm like, prepare my family for what? So, you know, I just, I kept, we kept leaning in. And it was, I went back and I looked at my notes, and it was actually the same week of the fire, a year apart. Mm-hmm.
0: God God wants to wants to lead us. That's the thing we gotta remember. Sometimes we we feel like God is hiding when we're facing the fiery trials of our faith that Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1. We can feel like God is hiding from us, but it's so important that we be spirit sensitive, spirit-led people. Because he wants to lead us. And sometimes we get frustrated in his leading because he doesn't he doesn't tell us the rest of the story. He just says, I want you to begin to to prepare your family. He just says I I want you to lead your family uh, to church. I want you to press into my presence. And uh, and so this morning, as we just kind of turn the conversation uh, back towards us today, here, here's what I know to be true. Your, your fire is most likely not literal, but you're probably facing one. If you haven't faced one, you're probably about to. That's not a, a doom and gloom statement. Uh, th- that's, a, that's, a, that's a reference to something Jesus promised in John 16, Jesus said, in this world... You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will face fires. But he didn't end with that. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And so I just, I wanted him to come and share this testimony because it's so, it's so encouraging to know that not only does God know what tomorrow holds for you, but he goes before you. Uh, one of the questions that I think you guys were asked uh, and I'll ask it now. Uh, do you think God caused this fire to happen?
1: No. I mean, I, I think I speak for all of us. There wasn't any point where we thought this was something God had done or that we were being punished in any way. You know, we live in a fallen world and, you know, bad things happen.
2: You know, th- there was bad from the fire. But let me tell you, there was so much good that came from it. Yeah. I, can't st- I can't verbalize how much good has come from this. Yeah. You know, we lost eight pets in the fire, but that is nothing compared to what has happened to us. Yeah. It's just amazing. Amen. And we're, we're testifying right now, and every single one of you has a testimony. Yeah. All of you do. Yeah. And you, you have a responsibility from that testimony that you need to go out there and you need to tell people about it. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if you stub your toe and you pray and it's all healed. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. You tell that story to somebody and you bring them to God. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a great commission out there that we're all responsible for. Amen. You've got to testify. Anything that it is, tell God. Tell about God's glory. He's amazing absolutely amazing.
0: Amen. You know, one of the things that they were uh, laughing with me about when we were talking earlier this week, they said when we came back to church that week, they had several people that were like, what are you guys doing here? Mm-hmm. Like they were shocked to see them at church given what had happened. <laughs> and, and the response was like, where else would we be? <laughs> like, right. like, like, why why wouldn't we come, you know, and, and, and be in God's house? And I just, I just love that, that uh, even only being saved two years, like mm-hmm. Kelly Uh, has a right perspective here on, you know, that we have to understand the MO uh, of of the enemy. John 10 and 10 tells us what Satan's modus operandi is. He says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. But then he said, but I have come that you may have life to the fullest. Amen. And and so I I think it's so important that regardless of what the fire is, that we recognize that every fire is father-filtered. It it didn't come from him, but it couldn't come without him allowing it. So like when when Job went through everything he went through, uh, to to contextualize it, you got to go back to chapter one and see twice that God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, when Jesus warned Peter that he was going to deny him three times on the night of his crucifixion, he said, Satan has asked to sift you. I know we could get hung up on why did it happen, but I take comfort in knowing that Satan has to ask first. (laughs) That nothing that I face has not first been father filtered. And the God who 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 protects and and keeps and saves is also the God of promise. And we can stand in those promises. So I I want us to do something here, uh, just as we get ready to end the service in a few moments. right where you're seated, would you just join us in a, in a moment of prayer and, and a prayer of gratitude for our church family today? Father, thank you so much for, for Ben and Kelly and Emma. Thank you that, for what you have done in their lives and that this church has been able to be a part of it. And God, we thank you so much for your saving grace, that, that Jesus, you miraculously, supernaturally kept them from the flames, and you are keeping them on the other side, Lord, with your provision and with your mercy. God, I pray that it would remind each and every one of us today that no matter what fire we face, Jesus, like you were for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter three, you are the fourth man in the fire. You are with us, you are for us, and you are faithful to keep your promises. So we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Would you let Ben and Kelly know you appreciate their testimony today? Thank you, guys.